So then I head upstairs and our whole living room's on fire. But I turned to my right and looked and we saw flames just bursting off of the mountain. And about two hours later, I received a phone call from her that the house had burned down. He gets the flames out. Mama's really getting down to business now. The room is full of smoke. There's no lights to turn on and it's black. We started to notice that the house right next door was burning down. Fire is considered to be the first element that was born when the universe was created. Fire is attributed to transformational and purifying powers. It can give warmth and it can also burn and destroy. Naturally, fire is associated with the sun. The element symbolizes energy, activity, creativity, passion, freedom, power, love, vision, anger, strength, will, assertiveness, courage, and dynamism. Fire is necessary to cook food with. Before electric oven and cookers were invented, we were using real fire to cook food, bake biscuits and cookies and cakes. Remember that scene in Alice in Wonderland when Alice eats the famous eat me cake? Her burning curiosity is the main driver for her excitements and her adventures in Wonderland. In Sanskrit, the fire element is called Tejas, and it comes third in the order of the Pachatava, or the five elements of the body. Fire is evolved from ether and air, where either ether gives the space for it to exist and air gives the momentum or the capacity to burn. Within the body, it is a form of heat that gives us energy and it is the physical state. You can see it in the form of fire, sun, light, or the form of energy such as solar, hydroelectric, nuclear, fossil fuel, or biodiesel. Hot, light, dry, rough, subtle, flowing, sharp, clear, and soft are some qualities of the fire element. It is warm and powerful, and it is also linked to masculine energy. By tapping into its power, we can bring about a transformation within ourselves and work towards better mental and physical well-being. One might say that the fire element also makes up some of our body composition. This means it is present in the form of heat and gastric juices in the stomach. This is why having proper digestion is the key to having enough energy. The fire element is a symbol of love and desire, but also power and anger and strength and assertiveness. In Ayurveda, the pitta dosha is made up of fire and water elements, where fire is the dominant force. While summer is still considered the season for the fire, in traditional Chinese medicine, the placement of the fire element in the body is the heart. The heart pumps the blood to all the body parts and the brain, and fire is responsible for warming the body and the mind. It also is symbolized by wakefulness, wisdom, compassion, and joy. In Indian culture, fire is worshipped as Agni, who is the god of fire and acceptor of sacrifices. Fire is used in most rituals performed in the Hindu tradition, as it is considered spiritual and pure. According to one Greek myth, Prometheus, who was the god of fire, stole fire to help humans, but was ultimately punished. It was the Greeks who proposed that fire was the first element that gave rise to the other elements. 
Another Greek philosopher also postulated that the human soul is made of fire and water, where fire purifies the body by removing water, which symbolizes earthly matters. Christians symbolize fire with the presence of God, and as per the New Age Testament, Jesus is thought to have brought fire to earth. In many other cultures, fire is viewed as a symbol of wisdom and knowledge, superiority and control. Fire is also used as eternal flames, as remembrance, is used to signify the start of the Olympic Games, which has kept burning throughout till the games are finished, and it is used in cremations, candle marches, and bonfires. The fire element is linked to the solar plexus chakra, and this chakra represents transformation, confidence, and personal power. We are here in the last episode of the mini-series, Midwives and the Elements, to share some incredible stories of the personal power of midwives and of the intuition that's linked to that clarity and that wisdom and that strength. We have so many great stories for you. For our first story of the fire episode, we're going to start with a literal bang. I don't want to ruin the ending, but let me just say how incredible this story is of the power of listening to your intuition. Midwife Tress in Louisville, Kentucky has an incredible story for us. Let's listen in. Hi. My name is Tress Middleton. I'm an LCPM based in Lexington, Kentucky, and I have an interesting story to tell um, about a birth we had in winter of 2022. So we got called to a birth um, in the morning. Uh, Mom had been laboring really well through the night. She had had her water break the night before. Um, she had her mother with her, who is also a midwife um, from another state. <clears throat> and when we got there, she was laboring pretty well. Um, just walking around, walking around the house. It was early winter, so it was pretty cold outside, maybe in the 20s and 30s, um, but inside was still pretty cozy. They had a gas stove, so we were heating water for the pool on the gas stove. This was an older house um, that had been remodeled just topically, so it had the old furnace system and gas stove and old windows, but it looked really cute. Um, but that comes into play later that everything else was pretty old in the house. So we were heating um, water because the water heater just wasn't, you know, enough to get the pool full. And we had an assistant with us. So I was in my phase four. So just finished my CPM, got my license. Um, my partner was also with me. And then we had a student um, who came in to help us. So um, it was just a few hours in and my partner and the mom of the client, um, both were pretty tired. So they went to lay down and take a rest. And the student kept going in and out. She would go out on the porch to get some fresh air. And the birthing mom and I were in the main living room and we had the windows open, even though this is early winter. Um, it just felt kind of stagnant in there. We, you know, didn't know what was really going on. We had kicked the heat on um, and it was one of those furnaces that has the great under the floor so you could hear it and we smelt something burning a little bit and so my partner came out she smelt it also and said 
you know, what's burning. And they said, oh, no, that's how the furnace smells when you first kick it on. So we let that go out of our minds. And that smell did go away after maybe a half an hour. It stopped having that smell. So um, my partner and the other mom went back to sleep. And we just continued to labor for a few hours. Um, it was probably two or three hours later. I um, checked her and she was at like seven centimeters, but she was doing great. Um, we had just gotten to a point where we felt a little foggy. Um, there was no smoke in the house, nothing going on like that. But we did open the doors, uh, go outside, come back in, um, just really couldn't figure out what was going on. Um, I guess we went a few more hours, it was around midnight, um, maybe 1130. I started so Sarah, my partner and I were both wearing masks. Um, we wore masks all through COVID and we wore the nice Envo masks, the uh, gel masks that really help you. And they do filters a lot more, I think, out. And I'm pretty sensitive to smoke. I'm pretty allergic to cigarette smoke, any kind of bonfires, things in the air. I have a lot of allergies and some breathing issues and I'm really sensitive. So I think about 11, 11.30, I started... I'm going to say like throwing up, but it wasn't quite, it was almost like a lung purge into my, like, couldn't get something out. You know, um, I went outside, <laughs> took my mask off, lived that a few minutes, seemed to do better. I went back in the house um, with my mask back on, did okay for a little while, um, started doing that again. Um, woke my partner up and told her, hey, I don't know what's going on with me. Um, something's going on. I can't breathe. Um I'm throwing up and I don't know why. It's not like my stomach hurts, nothing hurts but my lungs. Um, don't know what this is. So she said, yeah, yeah, okay. And normally she's very attentive and very alert. She can sleep anywhere and wake up on a dime. And she pretty much was like, yeah, yeah, okay. And went back to sleep. So um, I just put my mask back on, went in the bathroom, washed my face a few times, um, thought maybe that would help. At that point, the assistant and mom were both, you know, were laboring. She is definitely so close to having a baby, but my brain cannot connect that. And with her also, she was like, I think we should leave. And I said, I think we should leave too. But we could not, like, put to words why we felt like we should leave. Um, I felt like she was, she had, like, the bloody show running down her legs. You know, like, you knew baby was so close but we just could not make our brains even connect of why, you know, we should leave. And so we kind of woke everybody up in a hurry. Um, we woke her mom up and Sarah, you know, my partner Sarah up and the student was there and gathering things. And we had this urgency that we needed to leave. And so um, her mom and her got in their car and left and we said we would close the house up um, and there were, of course, space, some space heaters in the other rooms that we made sure were turned off and unplugged. And uh, Sarah was still confused of why we were leaving. And we were just like, we, she just wants to go. And I think we need to go. And we couldn't really make our brains work, which now we know why. But we did not know at the time. And so um, we got everything pretty quickly out. And Sarah was concerned about me driving because I was feeling so bad. And I just told her, I said, the more I'm outside, the better I feel. I'm going to drive with my windows down and I'll let you know when I get home, you know, we'll check in. And so mom and a client went on to the hospital and we went home. I called Sarah, you know, when I got home, everything was fine. Um, checked with um, 
mom of the client and they had um, pulled over on the side of the road on the way to the hospital and called an ambulance and given birth as soon as they got to the hospital um, was, you know, she was definitely about to have a baby. Um, everyone got home safely. And about two hours later, I received a phone call from her that the house had burned down um, and it hadn't burned all the way, but it had um, exploded. So it seems like there was uh, the old furnace had probably been smoldering um, all that time and it wasn't creating smoke. And because there were gas stove, um, gas tanks down there that it had caught and just blew that up. And I'm so thankful that we, A, didn't have a baby because about that time we would have been leaving. We only stayed for a couple hours after birth and it would have been about that time. And who knows what would have happened to that family. And I'm thankful that we weren't just staying there laboring. I feel like everybody was feeling the effects of the carbon dioxide poisoning and the smoke. You know, even though there wasn't smoke, we were still breathing all of that in. Um, it was just wild. And I definitely, I saw my herbalist that day and was treated um, and did a lot of breathing treatments and, and all of that. And definitely felt, you know, the effects of that. Um, and even Sarah and Julie felt that some too, you know, the student. Um, it was wild. It was just um, one of those times that you, I'm glad that mom and I were on the safe track and we just didn't question why we needed to leave. Like we needed to leave, but we didn't know why. So it was wild and crazy. And yeah, I'm so thankful we all left and that no one was hurt. I'm so thankful they left too. I'm so thankful they listened to their intuition. How incredible. When I think about intuition, it's a body knowing. It's not a head thought. And this is the perfect example of how you can't let your brain interfere with that inner body knowing. When it's time to go, it's time to go. After we stopped recording, Tress talked and I talked a little bit about her experience. And she now travels with a portable plug-in carbon monoxide detector. So when she attends births in the winter with the house closed up, she plugs it in first thing when she arrives at a home. And I just thought it was such a simple and brilliant solution that we'd pass it along. One of those tricks that you didn't know you needed. And thank gosh, it was this outcome where she can pass on her wisdom instead of another. Next, we're going to go to California and hear from Katie, who's no stranger to the elements. To hear more about her journey with the land, listen to last week's episode. But in this episode, she tells the story of battling out of her house during a house fire that happened to her and her family, and then attending the birth of a firefighter who helped her during that the very next day. And I just love this description of community midwifery. I love how midwives can show up even the day after their own house fire. This is Katie Jones. I'm from Southern California and I'm a licensed midwife. So um, one night it was, we were getting a snowstorm. We were supposed to get about two and a half feet of snow and we had our house heating up by wood only. Um, we didn't have central heat. And so we were headed to bed at our normal time at like 9.30. We shut, shut off the, the upstairs fire. 
and we always close the the um fireplace and and maybe as a midwife I don't know if anybody understands this but I sleep naked <laughs> because half the time I don't know if I'm gonna be in clothes that night so I ended up um sleep, you know going to bed and we're just expecting snow I'm expecting you know heavy winds whatnot and my husband woke me up at midnight and said hey the fire alarm's going off and I'm like uh it's just because we're getting a storm. It's blowing sm the smoke and ash back through the the sleuth, the the way the the wind blows. It would blow smoke in to our house. And he's like, no, because if it's a real fire, I want you to be awake. So I wake up <laughs> and I'm so mad. <laughs> and um, he runs out the door and he starts yelling fire. And I'm like, uh oh, it's a real fire. So then I head upstairs and I come upstairs and our whole living room's on fire. I can't see him. And so I run back downstairs to grab my sons, grab my dogs. And luckily we had a door that was out the bottom downstairs. Well, while I ran downstairs, I went to go flip on the lights in my bedroom, realized there's no electricity that's already burned up. Can't see anything. So I try to grab my clothes. I'm trying to grab anything. But as a midwife, I grab my phone. First thing I grab, don't let go of my phone. I can't get my clothes on. I just grab my blanket. And I had hollered for my sons to wake up. And my youngest son, um, he just falls to the floor screaming and crying. So I have to pick him up. And my dogs are barking at me. So we make it out the way. And here comes my husband running down outside. And he's like, oh, just call 911. I'm like, okay, just call 911. I have my son in my arms. My one dog's barking and biting at me because I'm screaming. And I'm trying to make it up a hill in three foot of snow. <laughs> just call 911, okay. <laughs> so luckily I make it up the up the, the the driveway and that's covered in three foot of snow. And I'm just watching our house burn, trying to figure out how to dial 911. Um, ended up getting a hold of them. Well, we have a fire station that I can see. It's literally across the street. So um, my husband's like, well, I'm going to run over there, try to wake them up. And I'm just sitting there trying to call 911. They finally get on, on board. Um, and, you know, I'm calling. I'm like, well, we're at the station. And I know that in my stupor, I know that they don't know where I'm at. But... <laughs> <laughs> we're I'm just like trying to wake up the fire department that's right there with me um so finally they get us through they get the fire department going those guys walk out and they're like oh it's right across the street where's the the fire hydrant and we're like they're all covered in snow we can't see and we're like well it's right over there somewhere and then they're like well we can't do anything until we get our fire tender here the water tender there so they're out there just trying to evacuate the building the best they can. And we had already told them, you know, everybody's out safe, but I'm stark naked. My husband's stark naked. Luckily he, he had ran in and grabbed a small bit of clothes that he had on it, like next to his bed. And so he had stuff to put on enough to cover him up. I'm covered in a blanket. Luckily my son was in pajamas. <laughs> And um, they finally get, you know, the, all the fire department, the water tender, they finally put it out. 
And as we're, it was about a good three hours why we kind of watched that. And there, once our ride had gotten there, I had called my brother-in-law and he came, picked us up, which he lives about an hour away. Um, the, the firefighters were like, all right, well, come back probably tomorrow or we're going to call you guys and tell you, you know, what, what to do next. Cause I've never been through this. Nobody's really been through this. Um, so I was like, all right, well, we'll wait for your call. And they're like, do you need us to do anything? And I was like, yes, yes, I'm on call. <laughs> I'm a midwife. One of the guys knew me. And then one of the, the husbands of my client um, works for the fire department. So they kind of knew who we were right once I came down and <laughs> in my blanket. And I was like, can you get my my midwifery gear out. I don't know how I'm going to get to the next birth, but at least I'll have my gear. And the guy was like, yes, of course. So they break into my car because I don't know where my keys are. They luckily broke into my car, grabbed my midwifery gear, and we headed down um, to stay with my brother-in-law. And so the next day we come up and we've got some clothes on thankfully. <laughs> and my husband, when he had ran in and grabbed his clothes, um, he dropped his keys. That's why he mainly ran into, into the, the house to grab some clothes was his, he knew where his keys and wallet was, but luckily his, um, wallet was covering his keys and his wallet was burnt to a crisp, but his keys were nice and safe and he could get, get into his truck that day. And I was like, I have no idea where my keys are. I think they were on the, you know, on the bar up by our kitchen where the main fire started. And lo and behold, there was my keys in his truck. <laughs> Thank goodness, because the next day I ended up at that firefighter's house um, who, who, had, I, who had his wife in labor. So <laughs> I luckily made it to that birth and made it to all my births. Never missed a birth. Thank goodness um and it was kind of the joke of the day of well I get to see your wife naked because you got to see me naked <laughs> but all in all it's turned into quite the journey um I ended up starting a birth center after that because we had to move over an hour and a half from there so um it's worked out ever since we've all heard of delivering baby by candlelight or lamp light. But what if the lamp catches fire and there's no light except for the lightning crashes with the thunder outside? This is a story not to be missed in rural Indiana in an Amish home with Pat many, many years ago. One of the stories that I really enjoy telling is um, from many years ago I was working with an Amish family, uh, lived in a big old farmhouse, and um, I got a call from the dad. Now, these people didn't have electricity, didn't have phones. What they would do to use a telephone is that they would go to their neighbor's barn, so non-Amish neighbor's right. barn, right, where there was a phone, and they were allowed to use that phone, but they didn't use it frequently. So this father goes to his neighbor's barn and he yells into the phone, midwife. <laughs> and um, 
made it clear that his wife was in labor and I needed to come. Well, it was summertime, big thunder and lightning storm about ready to roll in. And um, I said, well, I'm on my way. I called my partner. And so I went into the house and mom was already pushing. So then I knew my partner was not going to get there in time. And I said to the dad, I said, okay, you're going to have to be my partner and help me. And he got all excited. I, I said, see all these instruments over here that I'd laid out on this bureau. There was like a, a bureau to my left and the bed was to my right. And then there was a window on the other side of the bed. I say to the dad, okay, when I, when I tell you that I want hemostats, that means this. And if I want a delete suction, that means this. Well, he turned to look at those things. He had his suspenders on and he, they had buttons on the bottom of the suspenders. He got his button caught on that crocheted coverlet as he turned and he pulled all of my instruments off on the floor and, and he pulled the oil lamp off on the floor. So everything comes crashing to the floor. The mama's over here pushing and on the floor, there's a rag rug, oil fire on a rag rug. Yeah. So it ignites. I mean, this happened so, so fast. It was, it's hard to explain. So he realizes what's going on and he starts stomping, stomping with his feet to get the flames out. I jumped on the bed so I wouldn't get burned, right? right. He gets the flames out. Mama's really getting down to business now. The room is full of smoke. And it's black. I mean, there's no lights to turn on and the oil right. lamp is off. Right. Except for lightning. We had lightning. And so you'd hear the thunder and you know there was going to be some lightning. And I put my hands down there and mama would push and then the lightning would crack and I could see a little bit ahead, right? And, and then everything would black again. And then pretty soon there'd be more thunder and then the lightning would crack. There'd be, oh, there'd be more head. It was the wildest thing. I mean, I caught, I caught the baby by my sense of feel and whatever flashing lightning was going on. So by the wow. time dad comes back <laughs> with another oil lamp, sits it on the bureau, I'm holding a baby and he's all rattled, of course. And I don't know if you know much about Amish folks, they're lovely, but they're very reserved. They're not boisterous or jovial necessarily. I tell you what, the dad sat down on the bed. So the three of us are now on this bed and I handed the baby to the mama and the three of us just sat there and laughed and laughed until there were big tears because it was the wildest, most insane delivery. 
you can imagine. Hello, dear Midwifery Wisdom listeners. It's Becca, your friendly podcast and video editor for the Midwifery Wisdom Collective. Isn't this miniseries just awe-inspiring? The stories these midwives have shared are nothing short of remarkable. If you've been as intrigued by these tales as we have, we're extending a warm invitation to you. Your voice matters, your stories matter, and we'd be over the moon if you joined our vibrant community. Simply drop us a quick review on our podcast. Your insights help to enrich our content and aid us in continuing to create content that resonates with you. Reviews also help to spread our podcast to more listeners. And what does Augustine always say? Our goal is to make midwifery mainstream. The stage is yours, beautiful listeners. We can't wait to hear your voices. We're in Texas now with Angie, and she tells the story of one of her last births as a student attending a woman who was hypnobirthing and so completely engrossed in the work of having her baby that she didn't notice the house next door was burning down. Until afterwards, her baby in her arms, she saw a fireman. Let's listen in. I'm Angie Hefner. I'm a licensed midwife um, in Texas. When I was a student, I had this great mama, her first time having a baby, and she wanted to do it natural. She wanted to have an out-of-hospital experience, and I was so happy to be able to support her. So as it turned out, she was using hypnobabies, which is such a great way for her to relax her mind and to really be focused on what was going on in her body with this baby. And she practiced for weeks to just tune out the rest of what was happening and just take some moments for deep relaxation from head to toe in her body. So everything was going great as a first time mom. And then um, as the photographer was standing near the window and kept kind of looking out the window as if something might be going on, we started to notice that the house right next door was burning down. And it was very surprising because we had quite a few, we had about a birth team full of like three midwives and a student and a doula and a photographer. And it was kind of the busy time. And when we realized what was happening, we started to get just a little bit concerned on how big the flames were. At this point, mama is pushing. <laughs> And we didn't want to disturb her, but of course we wanted her, the baby and the birth team to stay safe. And so as we were continuing on with encouraging with pushing, she was in her deep state of relaxation. The fire department came over to say, we're going to start evacuating, but we'll, we're going to start with the cars. So at this point, all those cars outside have got to go. They're too close to the house. And we thought, okay. So this was in the middle of the night. Um, we had been there for a little while. And at this point, all of the birth team members have no idea where their keys are. We're all trying to scramble to find out how we're going to move the cars. Where is your purse? Where are my keys? Who's going to stay here with this mama? We're doing tug of war with the rebozo. We're doing everything we can to help her get her baby out. We're like, well, which is one's going to stay? Which one's going to go? Who's going to move whose car? All the while trying to keep that peace and that 
that reverence that she deserves for her baby and to keep her husband calm and also the grandparents were there. So the family members are much more tuned in to what's happening with the fire than she is, but we're all trying to just do our very best. And to add to it, we had a placenta encapsulator on her way because she was pushing to be there to pick up the placenta to take it out. So I'm texting the placenta encapsulator. She's like, Angie, I've got a Facebook Live going. We're going to record this whole thing because we were curious, but we wanted to stay safe at the same time. So she's outside, boots on the ground. She's got the Facebook Live going. We're handing her keys. Hey, will you move this car? We don't know whose car is whose, but we all need to stay up here. So it really was... Um, exciting and um, dangerous at the same time, but trying to keep everybody safe and in the moment for this moment, her pushing her baby out. And then it got to the point where the bathroom where the tub was had these sliding barn doors and the smoke was coming in so thick that we had to shut off the doors to where the water birth was going to be. At this point, she's on the bed with tug of war. So we're closing off these areas to keep the smoke out. When I was running down the stairs to try to find my keys, the smoke was so thick on the ceiling. We had to kind of like crouch down on the downstairs level and it was dark. It was in the middle of the night. It was wild, but my favorite part of this whole thing is encouraging her in her moment. And she had no idea. Everyone knew the next door neighbor's house was burning down, but she did it. And she said, after she had her baby, she said, are you guys burning incense? <laughs> I'll just kind of looked at her. And um, at that point, the fire, the fireman was in the room. He was in the birthing room and just kind of standing off to the side. He knew it was imminent that this baby was going to be born. And it was just a matter of, do we need to get her out now? Or is the baby coming out now? And what's going on outside? Are they containing it to the point where, okay, we can stay? So there were so many things that were happening at once. And we told her, we told her, no, mama, we're not burning incense. Um, maybe some midwives do, but this isn't one of those births. Um, what's happening is the house next door is burning down. And she absolutely could, she, she didn't believe us. She was so surprised that she was able to stay in her moment, birth her baby with her birth team right there with her. And she almost didn't believe us. And then she was looking around, you know, as they do when they start to come back with their baby on their chest. And she said, wait, did you call the ambulance? Is everything okay with the baby? And we said, no, the fireman is not here for an emergency with you or the baby. He was here standing guard to make sure that we were safe if we had to evacuate. And that's when she actually started to believe us that the house was burning down next door. <laughs> and I was just so proud of her that she she picked a birth team that could work under pressure. She picked a birth team that she trusted, that trusted her. And that all of us with extended family members and photographers and doulas and assistants and a couple midwives on the team and students that we all could stay with her and yet secure the area at the same time. So it was such a great testimony to teamwork and working under pressure and at the same time making sure that this was her birth, that she was given everything she needed to birth that baby, not only safely physically in her body, but safely in her environment 
when the house is burning down and there is smoke inside and the firefighters are evacuating, that just is no joke. Um, and so afterwards it was all, you know, fun and games. We asked if she wanted to have photos with the firemen, which she loved that idea. So who gets to have, you know, their postpartum photos in that bed with your birth team with firemen around you, not because of, you know, a birth emergency, but because the house was burning down. So anyway, she feels proud of herself. Um, this was two years ago, but she still, we still keep in close touch and, um, she is so proud of herself and still will never forget how she thought, hmm, these midwives must burn incense. We didn't talk about that in my birth life. <laughs> so it was such a great time. Um, and we're thankful. We really are thankful that everything worked out wonderful and that she's got that baby and a birth story that she will never forget. For our last story in the fire episode, we're going to go to Colorado and hear not just about a really huge and crazy forest fire that threatened a birthing location, but we're also going to hear from midwife Dana about the temperamentalness of labor, how perfect and profound the programming is, that nature will not knowingly give birth when there's danger. And nothing like fire, the risk of fire, to make adrenaline rise, neutralize the oxytocin, and stop the labor until they can get somewhere safe. This long and winding, beautiful story about finding your way home for a home birth ends our amazing four-part series on Midwife and the Elements. Thank you for joining us. Let's listen in to this last story. My name is Dana McLaren, and I am a, a midwife CPM, a certified professional midwife. And most of my practice has been in Kansas and Colorado. Um, currently, traveling midwife a bit, working in helping different midwives in different parts of the country. And that's, I've been about 26 years, 27 years. In 2012, in Colorado, we had one of the biggest fires uh, in Colorado history at the time. And Colorado Springs is where I'm currently living. And then, and um, I had a client who I had been with before. Uh, she lived two hours southeast of Colorado Springs, and she had come up to my office to visit me for a prenatal, and it was about 38 weeks. She had already had, at that point, had already had two children, and her labors were very precipitous, and so I, you know, wanted to make sure everything was good. She had 39 she usually had her babies around 39 weeks. So she came up with her husband, her mother-in-law, and her other children. And uh, they would come up into the city. They lived on a farm. So she came, and we did the normal, just regular prenatal. And we're talking about how there was smoke in the air that day, but it was a very dry. We had a drought in Colorado at the time. 
and there was a little grass fire up into the mountains and you could kind of see the smoke but nothing to worry about really we just had those often so we did the prenatal and she was a very quiet and sweet lady that didn't really want to bother you very much about things they were little details so when we came out of the prenatal her husband said to me did you ask her about her contractions and i said well she didn't mention that she was having contractions and he said oh she was having contractions this morning before we left which was a two-hour drive to colorado springs and i said oh that's something i probably need to know <laughs> about at 38 weeks and you being two hours away from home we chatted and laughed about how shy she was and that she said oh it's no big deal i don't have to worry about it it's going to be days and i said okay but let's just talk about this and so finally as we were standing outside i was gonna say goodbye to them and then kind of saw the smoke and i thought you know guys let's just let's just see what do you mind if we look and see where you might be if you're having these contractions and then she stopped and kind of went <sighs> okay <laughs> so i i checked her and to my surprise i didn't even tell her at first she was at seven and i told her she was very dilated she says i don't even want to know because it doesn't seem to make any difference right and i went well <laughs> sometimes in some situations <laughs> it does i said what are your plans and they said well, we were going to have lunch, go get the oil changed, do some things. And I said, okay, well, it's two hours back to your house, two and a half hours back to your house. You're 38 weeks and you're fairly well dilated. Okay, well, do you mind if we go do those things? And I said, call me if you need me. So I was on standby. I knew where they were going. And I told her, if you need me to come and pick you up, I will. So they drove away and I waved and I, in my brain was going, there's no way that she's going to last because your other births were precipitous. And so I called a friend of mine. My house was very small. And I thought, we're going to have a baby here. And I tried to get prepped for that. And I thought, okay, so where can we go? I have a friend of mine who lived in the canyon up the mountain, a pretty large house, and she was a midwife. And so I called her and I said, hey, um, what would you think about me bringing one of my clients to your house so that she can have her baby there? Because she may be having her baby before she gets back to La Junta. And she said, sure, bring her on up. And I said, hey, I noticed a little bit of smoke up in your, up the canyon. Is there everything okay? She goes, yeah, there's been a couple of grass fires and everything. So, but, you know, it's okay. So come on up and I've got my birth pool so she can have that. And 
you know, everything. So it was all wonderful. And about five minutes after I talked to her, she called me, the mother, and she said, I really need you to come and get me. I'm at, I'm getting my oil, my husband's getting the oil changed and, and then stopped and had another one of those. Oh, okay, I'm coming. And her husband grabbed the phone and said, car's coming down off the rack. We're coming over. I said, okay, I have a place we can go. And they said, let's just go for it. So they had their car, his mother, three children, and her, and then my car. They got to my house or to my office very quickly. And then I said, we're going up the mountain to my friends. And so we started heading up the mountain, her in my car with me, which I wasn't sure what the right decision was, but this is how I decided to do it with uh, the family behind us. And it, it, it's about normally about a, maybe about 20 minutes at the most drive in the middle of the afternoon. And so didn't think it would take very long, you know, to get up there. And uh, so we started driving and I, I noticed that that small little plume of smoke was pretty big by the time I got there. By the time I got up the canyon on the road. So I called my friend, Christy, and the cell phone coverage isn't wonderful right up in the between the mountains. And I heard her say, get up here pretty soon because the spire is kind of getting bigger. And so I, I said, okay. And then as we got up there to the right, on the right side of the road, the mountain, I saw bursting I've never been in any kind of real fire at all. So it wasn't, to me, it wasn't a big deal. But I turned to my right and looked and we saw flames just bursting off of the mountain and just popping all over the place. And then all of a sudden there were helicopters and there were fire trucks and there was even a plane that had the water tails, you know, that they dropped down and sirens and there was smoke and fire all over the side. My friend's house was on this side of the mountain, the other side. And so I came to a screeching halt in my mind and said, there is no way, frickin' way. <laughs> I'm going up there. And I couldn't hear her from the cell phone. And all I said was that I'm not coming up there. She said, it's getting bad. And so we turned on the police turnaround on the highway and just literally <laughs> with this direction. And as we were going back east away from the mountain, you could see it just catching. I mean, it was just, it was it was very surreal. And I was like, this is crazy. I've never seen anything like this. But I thought, oh, they'll, they'll get it out. But, but the first thing I was thinking about was my poor mama right next to me who was still having contractions. And as far as I know, was dilated to around seven at least. So I'm trying to think, now what? 
couldn't take her to my house. I had teeny tiny little house, cats and dogs and chickens and, you know, all that stuff. And um, so I thought of another friend of mine who was training to be a midwife and she lived out east away from the mountain. And I called her with the same story. And she said, sure, come on out. <laughs> the community of midwives is wonderful. So, so we drove out there and as we were getting out of the car, we looked west towards the mountains and it, the whole mountain was starting to catch. So we all kind of huddled at that house and she, um, we got comfortable and settled in. Her family was there, her husband, her mother-in-law, and her children, and got a little food for her, kind of got everything prepped and ready. Everything was fine except for one thing. And she was very quiet, and she came and she said, my contractions have stopped. I was like, oh. <laughs> This means that your human instincts are kicking in. Babies aren't going to be born in fire. And it's not safe. And that, and it still gives me goosebumps to this day because all of a sudden the awesomeness of that hit me. That this woman, her her whole being was not safe. And it's, it's exactly what we've learned and what we see with women all the time. And I, I mean, it was literally a major fire that we were running from. And she, even though she was well established into labor at that point, it just stopped dead stopped. And so I, you know, I'm, I'm just a midwife. I'm not, I'm not human nature here. And I'm, I'm sitting there trying to think, there's no way I can control this. What can I'm, we have a major fire for some reason, all of a sudden in the world, which I can't control. And then there's this woman who's giving birth. I can't control that, that her labor has stopped. It was I don't know, I, I'm not sure if I'm explaining it right, but it was just this big, huge reality for me how we don't, Mother Nature is amazing. <laughs> and so in good ways and in bad ways, obviously. Um, so we, I sat there for a while and kind of went outside and was watching the smoke and how big and scary and awesome that was and went inside and thought that woman in there that's trying to sleep trying to relax waiting for her baby to be born and that's as big as that fire and see i just get the clip that's kind of um it's kind of exciting those awarenesses when they pop up in your life Anyway, so when she, I finally kind of came to this thing and I went in and I said, can I, can I ask you a question? And she said, yeah. And she was starting to get kind of upset. Uh, understandably, she's going, I don't know what to do. And I said, 
right. I said, do you, you really, really want to have this baby at home, correct? She goes, I really, really do. It was, it's my dream to have this baby at home. And I said, okay, so we're going to make that happen. <laughs> this is the only piece of control I thought I had. So we came up with a plan. The other midwife that I was kind of consulting with, like, what do we, what do you think? She's like, you know, I said, here's my plan. Go and get there and visualize it. And I, and she said, Dana, just go for it. Good luck and go for it. And so we made a plan for the family, the husband and the family behind us. And that I would be with her in my car. This is a two and a half hour, normally two and a half hour drive back to her home. So I came back in and I said, we're packing up. Do you want to go home? She goes, yes, I want to go home. I want to get away from this fire. And I said, I totally get it. <laughs> so let's do it. So we had a plan in case, you know, I happened to speed a little bit and if she needed to stop on the side of the road we just had a plan all together everybody agreed with it um and said let's go for it so we got the car and she got pretty excited about it and kind of happy and all of a sudden she was kind of joyful again and she was starting to get as we were driving it away she was starting to get small little contractions again and I'm like, oh, just kind of keep them at that point. <laughs> I was a little bit, we had still had two hours to go. So we started driving in the town that's south of us. It goes south along the front range of the mountains, which you could still see this bill. Now at this point, it's billowing smoke coming towards us on the highway and literally running from a fire. And so we, we drove down into the town that's south of us about an hour. And then the road switches and goes out east into the plains where the farms are. And we got there about an hour as we started going east towards their hometown. Her contractions picked up substantially. <laughs> Trying to be the cool, calm person that I can be, I started saying, just, just visualize your front door. And actually, I think their front door was reddish. So let's visualize together your front door and us walking through your front door and you having the baby whenever you're ready. And every single time she'd get these very strong contractions, I put my hand over, she grabbed my hand, and then just say, let's visualize and visualize that red door or that door coming and opening and you and your family walking in there and having that baby every time. And then it got to be every time she had a contraction, we just said it. We just said it. We just said it. We got about 20 minutes and she said, I'm, I'm going to have this baby at home. And I said, okay, let's go. Let's go. And we all, it felt like between that 20 minutes and to the front door, that I didn't even, I have no memory 
I don't remember. I just remember her going, we're going to have this baby at home. We're going to have this baby at home. And all of a sudden we were there. It felt like we flew that last 20 minutes, literally flew. So calmly got out of the car. She had a huge contraction as she was getting out of the car. And she, and she, she said, go on in. And I said, no, you're opening that door. <laughs> so she did, she opened her door and she sweetest, sweetest thing in the world. And she goes, can I take a nap? <laughs> I said, absolutely. <laughs> go take a nap. I'm going to bring you some water and some food and her husband. And he comes in and he's like, where is she? I said, she's taking a nap. He, he pulled the family out, the kids. The mother-in-law came in with me in the kitchen and we both just kind of looked at each other and went, whew. <laughs> and she goes, do you do this often? <laughs> I said, no, I've never done this before. <laughs> and so I said, I kind of was winging it because I had no idea what Mother Nature had in store for us today. And so, and so she says, well, is she okay? I said, yeah, she's taking a nap. Deep sleep for about, I checked in on her and I mean, she was out and this was only for about 10 minutes. I went back out into the living room and her husband came out just a couple minutes later and said, Dana, I think she's pushing. So I went in, her and her husband were standing the side of the bed and she squatted and there was a baby. And, um, of course the name of the fire was Waldo Canyon. And I said, you wouldn't think about naming your baby boy Waldo. And he goes, oh no, <laughs> Waldo was not on our list. <laughs> so that was basically the story. I spent the night there whew, and, uh, you know, stayed there for the 24 hour check. Everybody was fine. It was a story to tell. I remember her even saying, boy, this will be an interesting story. <laughs> I drove home that day and by the time I got to Colorado Springs and turned the corner to get into Colorado Springs, the whole mountainside was on fire and it wasn't just smoke. It was fire all up and down. I had never seen anything like it. At one point it went over the city, over the mountains and into the city and burned about 400 homes down by the time it was over and about 18,000 acres. It's just so powerful how mother nature works with fire and birth and everything else. I think my biggest lesson from that was the powerfulness of mother nature in, in both aspects and how we just kind of have to work through it. Thank you so much for joining us for this special mini series called Midwives and the Elements, a break between season three and season four here on the Midwifery Wisdom podcast. Our next break, 25 episodes from now between season four and five is going to be a special mini series about midwives and what they did before. So this is called Before Midwifery and it's about the careers and the jobs that midwives had maybe years before they became midwives. So if you've got a special career as a midwife and you did something else before, 
make sure and reach out so you can be featured in our next mini series. That's all for now. We will be back with season four in about a week. Thanks so much for listening.